We're live. We're here. We're here on the Endpoint Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Zoo. I'm joined by some fantastic guests. Avik and I are going to be 2v2ing versus some NA chaps. Uh, Avik's going to carry the crap out of me because otherwise, you know, I'll get us bodied. But actually, without further ado, here are our guests. We've got uh, Dewey uh, here on the show with us uh, on the American representation. Dewey, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm glad to be here. Awesome, awesome. We've also got Shane uh, from Canada or Canada. Shane, what's up? Chilling, man. Happy to happy to be a part. Absolutely. And uh, Avec, uh, my brother in arms, how are you today? I'm good. I really like your start of the talking. Like this time, it was perfect. Like it was yeah. a few more. It was funny. Everything was on point. So I'll, I'll send you a I, feedback I, form after. I feel can... I feel that you are in shape for today. Finally. Oh man! Cheers. Yeah. I've been I've been building up to this. Um, let, let's get right into things because uh, I guess can, can we call this like a limited edition, special edition? Because it's right right at the end of the first year of Quake Pro League, and now we know there's going to be a second year. So there's going to be all kinds of like different things to what we normally talk about. But I think it's worth recapping a little bit what has happened and get some insights definitely from Shane and Dewey on their experiences. Um, so year one, uh, ups and downs for honestly everyone. Um, Dewey, talk to us. Let, let, let's actually start with the season finals and then we can go in a bit more of a, a broad sense. How, how did you find stage four finals? Um, I was a little disappointed that I lost to Nosfa the way that I did, um, mainly because that's my thing. Uh, I normally like hide all game and get like one frag and make it count. So um, it's a little disrespectful that he uh, used my own game against me. But generally speaking, you know, beating Saigib the way that I did, um, you know, coming through, uh, playing Rafa, it wasn't a great result, but that's the first time I've ever felt relaxed against him where I'm actually like having moments where I'm like, holy, I'm actually like hitting him really hard and I'm confident and I'm trusting my movement and I'm like, uh, you know, aggressing at times. Um, the, the only thing, and, and we were joking about it, even in the middle of, of uh, the match, like in, in the lobby was like, you know, uh, uh, I'm ready as long as I remember to grab my item at the beginning of the map after map one, because I pretty much threw away control immediately and uh, had to run away for a while. But um, generally speaking, you know, lost to Nosfa, things happen. Um, and just like learn from it and, and be ready to make that adjustment next time. Do, but uh, do, yeah. do you think uh, with Nosfa, it was a case of you being uh, like underprepared or maybe not in the right mental space or is Nosfa just having uh, an exceptional game versus you? I think I, I had to get up really early um, and I was tired, uh, but I think he played well all tournament, generally speaking. And, you know, he's like, he's never been an easy win. And anytime you're playing someone on a high ping like that, you know, if they play their cards right, it adds variance. It doesn't necessarily like make it an easy win for them or, or you know, an easy win for you. It just adds variance that's a lot more difficult to prepare for. And like the first map, there were three or four rockets, like fights at heavy where, like I spammed in front of him to prevent his slash from moving to heavy and it bounced him towards heavy. And so things like that, that you can't really prepare for and fights that you, you end the fight and you're like, he really should have lost that fight. So that sort of thing happens, mm. but um, you know, it's kind of out of your control and like, just like I said, learn from the hyper defensive style and be prepared for that. Mm. And then variance is always going to be there. So. 
I think we're going to have a ton to speak about with your defensive style, actually. So I'm going to be careful not to pop off too soon into those questions because this is a super interesting talking point. But I want to I want to get Chain's thoughts. Uh, Chain, um, you know, fantastic time. Well done beating Dehan, getting yourself over to the top three for the following day. Um, uh, but I know that you you expressed a bit of disappointment not having uh, taken the maps off the EU players, I think, or, or at least the series. Uh, talk me through a bit about like your journey through the stage four finals? Um, sure. So in general, one of my goals was to uh, beat Dehang. Um, that was like one of my main goals, like you just said, to get that winner's bracket seed going into day three. Um, so leading up to it, day, well, I didn't play, I had to buy day one. So I played my first match day two. And I was super um, motivated and everything. Like was I was like, all right, let's go. Like just feeling good. Um, and then I beat Dehang and like was going into day three pretty good. Um, and then like it's kind of weird. I woke up like the morning of day three and I was just like I kind of like my drive for some reason just dropped like more than like my drive was lower in day three than day two for some reason. And uh, like I'm not trying to make an excuse. Like Vanguard, first of all, Vanguard played really, really well. Um, and then Brazy's like just a monster. So like they would have, like realistically, I think they both would have beat me no matter how I played. Like unless I played exceptionally against Vanguard, just at the level I'm at. But at the same time, like I woke up kind of just like for some reason not too mm. caring. I guess is the good way to say it. Um, which is weird. And like, I was kind of like disappointed because I could just immediately feel like, oh, why do I not like want to win as much anymore? And like, I was like, this is like, this is the finals here. This is stage four. Like what, what's going on? And then like, I obviously brought it up a bit, you know, I had like a bit of time to, um, you know, get my mindset corrected and everything. Um, mm. and yeah, I mean, Razy's just the way the picks and bans worked out, I had no, I was obviously would ban clutch and then I just had no chance to ban clutch. So um, I had to play against his clutch, which I always just get destroyed. Like at uh, Katowice, I got wrecked. Was just, that like, Awoken? Same... Was that the Woken that you played versus the clutch? Yeah, in yeah. stage four, yeah. And then in Katowice, I played them clutch on ruins. It was like the same. Honestly, probably just as bad. So, so um, what? Because you actually you have some great games as well versus Wenger, actually, and I, I think you know you, you made it pretty close against Razor on one of them. But but what are you? It sounds like motivation is definitely something that you you know you need to be amped up about it. But is there anything else that you feel is separating you from specifically these two types of players? Um, so I would say just how I think of my game. I think the only there's only two players who I'm like, I think everyone, when they play someone, they have kind of like a going into the match, they have like an expectation or like a kind of like, Oh, like this guy usually beats me or like, I always struggle against this guy or I'm really confident against this guy. So for me, Rafa and Razi are the only two who currently I'm like, I guess, scared to play hmm. Benger. I actually feel pretty good against him. Um, what do I need to catch up to Rafa and Razi? I would say, honestly, I think Rafa just tries so hard. And, like, that's just, he has the highest, like, dedication. And, like, 
he literally does everything he possibly can, I would say, to mm-hmm. win. And just like in anything, uh, if you're not doing that, you're just going to not be a number one. Like, that's just mm-hmm. the only way to put it. I think skill-wise and potential and everything like that, I'm, I can be just as good as them. And going forward, like, that's something I have to think about myself. Like, am I really ready to commit 100% yeah. to this, you know? No, I, I see, I see. And and again, there's actually plenty more to go into on this. It's uh, yeah. obviously going to be some time in, in the podcast, but I want to also gloss over uh, what happened with Avec because you started the tournament. And honestly, this this is kind of brutal in some way because you versus Cooler is like a match that you want to happen really late in the tournament because it's an absolute classic. But you had to start it up for the first game. Unfortunately, you lost 2-1. Um, talk me through a bit like that game, maybe your 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 build up to it, and af- what happened afterwards. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated. Well, it was a um, game like any other else, like against me and Cooler. So um, we usually have close games, and it's usually two to one or something like this. We already played so many times in the past that it's basically like a classic matchup, and I think it's interesting for people to watch. So it doesn't matter who's winning, but it's still like building the hype, and it's like interesting to watch. Like especially this one on ruins, like it was last map, third map, and it was frag for frag, and it was very like uh, fast piece, and it was like really really high speed game. So I think that's why people like this match. And I lost basically in the last situation because I was I got hit with with an orb and shot combo that's how the match ended up uh, basically i felt good like both days first and second day i i felt perfect and i played like um, on my level i would say i could the match with cooler could go either way so it's like i don't really have to complain on anything mm. it's just one of these matches where i don't know i just lost the match and it was close match and i'm happy how it went because uh, i don't really feel like it was really bad or something like this so it was a really hard matchup, first of all, mm. and, and that's it. And then I went through the lower bracket. I advanced to the second day, and second day I basically met Razy, which Razy was also on top of his form that day. That day. Same as Cooler, both of them are playing really good. And uh, with Razy, I really, really did a lot of mistakes on Veil, vale, and then I thought I can close it out on, on Ruins. Because it was also like overtime, but I made the mistake in overtime, so it also ended up with one frag. So, you know, it's like you you got hard matches and it's like very close, and it it always can go either way. So you always feel unsatisfied a little bit or something like this. But it's the way it is, you know. It it was it was pretty hard matches for me, and it went like it went. Yeah, I definitely. already I already recovered from this traumatic experience. Was <laughs> it like um, how much it one week went by or even more? So I enjoyed a little bit of sun and I I just like uh, I, I took a break and I chilled out and everything's fine. No, for sure. And was, of course, to meet Razy as what your second lower bracket game early on, and he happened to be the person who came top two in the tournament. Yeah, it's like you know there is a lot of good players so it's like everybody knocking everyone so it's like he dropped mm. to lower bracket i dropped to lower bracket he managed to come from lower bracket to top two of the whole tournament you know it's like you if there's there is a bracket with like really strong players it's like you can't really avoid these things so you can't really wait for such match till the end of the tournament because you need to play such match in the fourth round basically of the whole tournament 
Yeah, and I remember looking at the lower bracket at one point on the European side and being like, this is just crazy. Like, if at any other point in history you look at this bracket, you're just like, what the hell is is going on with life? Because you had people like Base and CNZ and Wenger, the Europeans who were up on the winner bracket side, and they were having their time in the spotlight. So it was a really interesting shakeup of, of how things went. But um, I want to I go through some some quick, like, general year one Quake Pro League stuff. Uh, and Avec, uh, just having asked you that question, I mean, your biggest your biggest high of the year, what, what would you put that on? Maybe, maybe it's like a specific match or a, even a moment in a game, or maybe it's kind of like a general result. Well, I think I started pretty strong and I finished pretty strong. The middle of the Quake Pro League was really bad for me, basically, till I fix all my things. But you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, first year of Cupilla was really big roller coaster because uh, we started with like old format with LAN finals and things like this, where I felt the best. I always felt more, most comfortable there. Then we switched basically after Katowice to playing only online. So it was like the middle of the Cupilla was really like, I, I was really struggling a lot. I started really strong with Force Quake on. I became seventh place and fifth in EU, so I had advantage in the in the points points already. Then I started to fail all my matches online for another stage or two. Then I lost my documents when I was preparing to go to the Italy, and I was like, "Fuck, what I'm gonna do now?" It's like uh, you know, uh, I woke up. Drive. You're gonna drive. That's what you're. Yeah. Gonna do. So I, I woke up. I woke up, I was really tired because I told Kron like one day before, I said, man, I'm not going to sleep too much today. I'm going to get to my flight, get a nice flight, and then I'm really fucking tired. I'm going to go to sleep, and I'm I'm good for next day. And he said, yeah, it's the best best idea. I'm going to do the same. I'm going to stay up whole night, and, and I'm going to sleep next day like a baby. So I stay up almost whole night. I slept like two, three hours. Then I woke up. Then I did some shit, I packed my things, you know, like I had plane at 2 p.m. At 12, I'm starting to look for my documents and I'm basically like throwing everything in my apartment, like looking everywhere under the bed, in like my bags, everywhere, and I couldn't find passport. And I, and I, the, the worst thing is I didn't have ID because I lost it also like a few months before and I didn't make a new one. So because I could use my ID to go to Italy, right? Because it's European Union. So I lost both documents and I was like, I called Pete and I was like, I don't know what the hell to do. And then I contact John and John said that you must show up tomorrow at, at, at 10 a.m. Otherwise you are out of the league. So I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna go by car. And imagine now, because I, as I said, like I lost my ID uh, like a few months before. I lost like my whole uh, packet of documents. It was ID and it was a driving license. So I went to Italy without passport, without ID, and without driving license. <laughs> I had no documents at all. Just so I was big. like, man, it's like a 17 hours drive. I was like, I hope police won't stop me <laughs> because then I'm already like done, you know? So I, I went there straight away and I, I arrived at, uh, at 7 a.m. And I think I saw Cooler or someone already going downstairs. And he was like, oh man, it's unbelievable. I went to the room and Heron was also waking up. So I slept for a few hours and then I catch another like shuttle at 10 or something like this. So that was that was pretty much the the, the, the worst thing. And then but you like, still beat me. You still beat me. Yeah <laughs> uh, then I played chain the same day and, and yeah somehow I went with him. You played pretty good I think to be honest too. The yeah, adren I was, adrenaline, I, you know. I was hitting a lot at that match to be honest, like yeah. like really much. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, still like and then I finished pretty good on my last stage because I, I renew my PC I was practicing hard and I was basically winning every single match like in my last like four weeks or something like this.
So that's why I catched up with points again a lot by mm -hmm. last four weeks because I won like four or five matches last stage, like last like one month and a half or something like this. So yeah, I can't actually wait for a second year and I'm curious what's gonna happen. If we're still gonna have to play online, how I'm gonna do and if it's there there's gonna be the chance to play on, on LAN at some point. Yeah. Us, like here, I think everybody's interesting about it. For sure. And it's honestly so difficult to predict at the moment. Yeah, that, I, I I just don't know. But I am gonna I'm gonna swing through chain, which your I you actually had like a lot of highs this year. Right what I think something like Katowice, you beat some mm -hmm. Plays like Cooler, for instance. To what? What's what, you tell me? What's your your biggest pros this year? Yeah, Katowice would definitely be my highest point. Um, I had a really good LAN. I had a really good boot camp uh, with Singularity. I uh, got a lot of good practice in. Um, yeah, I mean, I I played Dramas first, then I freaking Razy. So he knocked me to the losers, uh, losers bracket, and then I played Effortless, then Dehang. Then cooler, and then the next day I played. Or no, cooler. No, Dehang was the second day, so cooler was my last day of the losers bracket, and mm -hmm. I beat him. And then I played Dehang, and I beat him as well. Um, was was which, it base? By the way, it was really close. And then base beat me two one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, two one um, though. That's like also crazy good yeah and i actually won the first map on ztn like i i've never played that good of a ztn game ever well against like the one against base. exactly against base as well yeah, and yeah. base had an unreal tournament um yeah. at that point too so that's like a, an amazing achievement uh, what what do you attribute uh this success to though were you just uh, really hyped for the tournament or is it that motivation factor i actually remember i think it was so the online stage before that, I guess it would be stage one, uh, stage, stage two, two online. Two. Um, I was, I remember I lost to Nosfa. I lost to Effortless 3-0, which was like, that should never happen for me. And then I also lost to Nosfa. And then I had Christmas break. And over the break, I was like, okay, like I need to turn this shit around. And nice. I just completely changed several things. Like, um... I was starting to take it more serious. Like I was partying less, like drinking, whatever, um, getting better sleep, like just being more healthy, I guess. And then going into it, I just had better routines and stuff like that, that before matches. And um, I basically built up my confidence. And for me, it was like huge to beat the hang and cooler at LAN. I remember I was like, I wasn't honestly expecting to be cooler. And I, hmm. I, I've said this before, but I don't think he was playing at his best when he was playing me or he was underestimating me. And and his picks also weren't very good. But still, like, nonetheless, like, I beat him. And then... So when, right? Yeah, and then I beat Dehang after. So that was, that was like, okay, well, I guess it wasn't a fluke, really. Do you think that was... Did beating Cooler, did that give you more confidence when you were going versus Dehang? Uh, I already thought I was going to beat Dehang, to be honest, when I went right. before. So it, it didn't really affect it. Um, I just have a lot of confidence against a hang. Like I just really think I know how to play against him. Yeah, and you've been proving it loads and loads. So especially um, most recently too. Uh, Dewey, um, God, 2020 has been so bloody long that I can't really remember 2019. But you, I don't believe you were in the initial uh, group of QPL attendees. You qualified at the by the end of stage one, I believe. 
Um, mm -hmm. So maybe your sample size isn't as big, but well, what's been like your biggest pros of, of the year? Uh, I think my biggest pros is, um, you know, I, I was one of the few players that finished in NA above 500 um, in matches. Um, you know, stage two was tough. The finals were tough because I, I had a tough bracket. I mean, I showed up, I had to play base uh, the first the first match and I lost by one frag, I think on two of the maps and beat him on one of the maps. So the that match was really close. And then I had to play Sparty and I beat him like in overtime on map three, like had like a hundred health and hit like three air rockets. And that's how I won that. And then I ran into uh, to, to Zeron and it was like, okay. I mean, um, it was, it was, it felt like, um, like 2017, 2018, where I just like kept getting group stages with like really good players. And it was like, okay, like you got another tough group stage. That's kind of how I looked at it. Um, but I'd say, I'd say that, I mean, I think I, I think I beat the hang all three times I played him or two times that I played him. Um, and then, uh, you know, so I think I, I think I solidified myself as the four seed in America mm -hmm. coming in as, as like, you know, basically the 19th rank in the world and moved up to, I guess, nine by the end of stage four. So like, you know, I climbed 10 slots and, and solidified myself behind chain. I mean, um, there was never really a lot of highs or lows really just yeah. pretty, pretty consistent and kind of knew what to expect when I play. And, um, I, you know, I'd say the, the biggest, uh, gain that I had this year is that, um, you know, I've never perceived myself as a really talented player, but I did a whole lot practicing like one hour a week and yeah. not, not getting to play hardly at all. Just, you know, finishing school and working and, um, you know, so I, now I think I have a different view of myself and a lot more confidence, like, you know, Hey, you can beat a lot of these guys with no practice. So, you know, now you're about to have time and, you know, you're going to be able to put effort in. And so, you know, don't, don't like paralyze yourself like you've done in the past where you put in all this work and then you show up and you're like afraid to make a mistake. It, that that's been a big problem throughout my career. So I'm, I'm really optimistic for state uh, for season two. So do you think then, we'll go to the strategy a bit more and, and Avec definitely help me out here. Do, do you think then because you aren't, haven't had this much time to practice, do you feel like the your defensive style is a product of that? That, you know, if you take too many risks, maybe you don't feel rehearsed enough to go through all the different variables that there possibly are in Quake Duel. So you go, right, I'm going to play hyper-defensive, um, I, I think the way you put it is that, you know, you want to give yourself those 100% opportunities to capitalize and get frags. And if it's less than that, then it's not a risk I'm willing to take. Is it a fair to analyze it like that? Or does this style come from something else? I think what happens as I practice more is I go from being passive to selective. Um, I go from being, you know, just I'm not going to take any fights to I, I know when I can be aggressive and um i still am a, like on the whole i would consider myself a more back plus back player uh but i think as i practice more um you'll like start seeing me make plays with ranger or with athena um you know and i'm trying to add slash uh i'm a decent anarchy player so i think you know the more practice i have mm -hmm. the more i can play champs that yield to a more aggressive play style whereas you know a lot of what i played this year scale bear keel um bj uh 
you know, visor, strog. I mean, they uh, they they lend to a more passive play style. So I think that yeah, I mean, over time you're going to see me become more aggressive, and I think it started showing even without practice in stage three and four, and that's why I started, you know getting above that kind of like, uh, you know, he splits, he splits the series. Like he's going to win as many as he loses and he's not going to three Oh very many people. And I think I had like three or four three O's in the last two stages because I started taking risks. Mm. So I, I think actually you're really bloody scary. I think I went versus like a fake account of yours or something recently. Is, is this true? Is this true? Did it happen? I don't have a fake account. You don't have a fake out. Okay, so it no. was you. But I've seen I've seen you playing it sort of in practice. And you know, your aggressive plays are really scary. And when I sometimes watch you in pro games, I'm like, why doesn't he do those things that I sometimes see him practice on those, you know, on those very few occasions that I've seen it? Because when you get in people's face, I'm like, people maybe don't know you for your mechanical skill, but I'd say it's there when you're when you are taking those risks. Um, and I know, so like an example to draw from is like Wenger used to, early on in his pro career, used to practice loads, but he always played totally different in tournaments. Do you feel like you've got an element of this? Yeah, it's a problem. Um, it's it's a problem and it's a trust issue. And, uh, you know, Cypher talked to me at Katowice um, after the tournament was over. and And I think that's when I really started to think about, you know, how am I going to get over this is, um, he, he, the way he put it was, he said, you play perfect quake. You, it's perfect. If mm -hmm. like, if I was going to teach someone new how to play, I would just show them that, but you don't take advantage of any of the situations you create for yourself. And I think that's really like where my mind has shifted to It's not so much. Can I be aggressive or defensive? It's, you know, I think in one of your prior podcasts, Avic put it as the player that's out of control is doing all of this work. You're doing all of this work. It's work. That's the hardest part of the game. And, um, you know, the way I was playing early on in QPL, I was never capitalizing on all of this work because it's stressful as hell. Like playing like that is not fun. Mm. Uh, and sometimes you even play like that just because, you know, the other player's not tough enough to handle it. Like they just can't mentally hack it. So just play like that and make them break. It's easier than having to actually mechanically beat them. So yeah, no, definitely, definitely agree with you on that. And uh, it's a problem and and I'm working on solutions for it. Yeah, it's a million dollar question at the same time, right? And I think it applies to actually so many players. I just find that your your style is so distinguished and uh, how we define you. Unfortunately, we don't have the same Ranger orbs, you know, that we're used to, but times change, right? It's for the better. <laughs> um, I, I agree, I agree. <laughs> um chain um you yeah i i you know I, I actually struggle to think and it changes for me pretty much at the end of each season um because i used to see dramas being as one of like the most improved players and this was very much early on in in stage in the first year of quake pro league but it's really much more clear that it's you at the moment um what what have all these improvements come from where they haven't necessarily come from from a, a lot of other NA players who I feel have been, if it's not too harsh to say, quite static in their, in their ability? Um, I'll say this, a problem NA has is they make a lot of excuses for why they're honestly playing bad. Like, it's just 
weird to me to not be honest with why you're losing um, because that's you're just not going to improve at that point. So I I don't think I'm doing anything too special, to be honest. I think just uh, the players are kind of holding themselves back. And I, I mean, for whatever reason, you know, not everyone is able to put in a lot of time in NA, like mm-hmm. people are working and stuff. I get that. But at the same time, you need to be honest with yourself and like what you need to do to be better and like you have to if you're if the truth is i'm too lazy to actually do what i need to do to win then just admit that to yourself and then you know it's not like some other random um variable that's only affecting you to why you're losing it's it's something that you can change most of the time so Mm. that's just my personal thoughts on like the improvement factor and like I've kind of recognized what I needed to change and like also like I recognize I needed to put more effort in and then like even now at the end of stage four if I want to truly be contending for number one you know like Rafa is just like so good you know you're not just gonna beat him you're not just gonna get lucky and beat him mm. crazy he's so good you're not gonna get lucky to beat him so you really have to do everything you can to beat these guys so 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 i i, I don't know if, if you remember but you know, what were some of these things that you know it sounds like you're harsh on yourself when you're playing because in fact being realistic with yourself is the best way to overcome uh the troubles you have with your game do you remember some patterns that you were or some like bad habits you were making um it's that you said to gotta get from, rid of sorry it's nothing to do with my I think my in-game mistakes come from my like attitude towards the game. So like I can't even tell you exactly what I fixed to be honest. Like I don't know. I don't even know myself like what I like if maybe if I looked at what I how I started and how I play now, maybe I could notice some differences, but I don't know what I changed in my game. Like I guess one thing I did change is my timing's gotten better towards the end. And that might come from playing cooler a lot, for example. He's really good with the timings and base. Um, but uh, yeah, like I'd I'd say a lot of players, and I think Avex like a player like this as well, where it's uh, your game really depends on your uh, on your mental state and your like just how you're feeling. That's like uh, Quake is a game of how you're feeling, basically. I think for a lot of players and a lot of players especially who um depend on like like on their execution and their aim and whatever it really does like many other competitive things games sports whatever it really depends on how you're feeling right so i think um working on that can sort of build Mm. the groundwork for your game that's just my approach at least no i think that's totally fair have you have you got any thoughts on that too well, I think it's a really interesting subject and it's worth to like um, to elaborate on that a little bit because um, when we are like inviting guests in the beginning phase, I'm always thinking about like what can I speak with those guys, like what they are good at and what is interesting for people. So I, I really think like um, in case of like how to practice and how to improve, like we have two best guys out there for now and it's the best combo we can have right now. 
to to explain that because like what what Chain said just now I think yeah I also agree that the the quake is a lot about the, the mental state and about like how you feel because then you can execute well you can aim well you can like move on the map well you can do all those things right which and then we we go to the to the to to what Dewey said earlier right because um, it's about like taking like uh, right decisions at right moments because all those things like um, if you feel good and you hit him well and you you moving on the map well you can execute every every kind of frag or you can like uh, make advantage for yourself with hitting well it's great you're gonna use that moment you're gonna kill the guy and you are leading right but what if you cannot do that you know many people failing at this time and i think Dewey is the guy who's shining at this time because then he's never gonna give you like this one easy frag he will always try to wait it out he didn't like hit like great like combo he, he missed the rail the guy hit him it's no problem for him it looks like he's still chilled in the game he's not giving up and and he's not like uh, letting the game go where many people and especially europeans who play really fast they will already fit three four frags and things like this you know so it's it's i think if we could like um, connect these both elements so try to play like well and be in the state of mind when you are executing well and you're hitting well and as soon as it doesn't work out go to the to the the state of the mind of dewey and do that that will be like perfect quick player i would say and and rafa has this like this thing in him that he it's really hard to kill him at some point, but still, it's not to the to the point where where it's like really hard to kill him as like Dewey gonna give like everything he has, you know? Because even Rafa can fit at some moments because he miscalculates some situation and he misread something and he just like went full and and he he gave away frag. So I just like uh, want to know like how how Dewey does it? Like what's like how impactful is is your aim? How much it helps? I know it's like it's it's not the most important. And and I know you know that guys because you are playing on professional level. But many people always seem to like um, admire aim too much, and they think that aim gonna win the games. And then the their like favorite players are failing really hard at some point because it's not the way it is. Because it gives you chances, but if the the opponent not gonna fall for that, and you're not gonna use these chances. Nothing gonna come out from this 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 match because I saw many matches of Dewey where someone is hitting him constantly rail 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 rail. He's constantly can't get to the to the to the control of the map and he's all the time trying to survive and he's like on his basic stack, you know. And then as so, as soon as the opponent stops like hitting because you cannot hit for two hours long <laughs> all the time, right? Then he he uses his like advantage and then he's making the kill somehow. So I don't know what, what do you think like. Is aim even like important at all or not? Or mechanical think, skills and movement and things like this? I think that's th exactly what you just said is exactly what I was going to say, right? It's mechanical skill as a whole. And one of the hardest things to do in Quake, in my opinion, is like hitting hard is, is, is very difficult, but dodging well, moving well, like positioning well in a room before a fight starts so that if something goes wrong, you're capable of escaping really quickly and really efficiently. And even if you like, it, it, it's beyond just the mechanic. It's thinking about in your practice, like, am I going to be able to execute this when I'm nervous? Am I going to be able to get out of this situation when I'm nervous? Not just when I'm hitting like a truck or like this game doesn't count, but like 
tournaments on the line, my life, like, like this is my lifeline. Can I do exactly what I'm doing right now again? And so like, that's one of the big differences between me and my ability to play defensive and other players is like defensive rockets are not very hard to hit like defensive shotgun, defensive rail. Like those are some of the easier things to do in terms of aim. And so I think like, yes, in that sense, like my mechanics are weak, but I think my ability to dodge and get away and to almost be like a snake where like, it's very frustrating for people. And like you said, making their shots not count. Like it's, it's a, it's like that quote, I guess, was it like CZM where he's like, I do more with the rails that I missed than you do with the rails that you hit. And it's kind of like that mentality of like, how do I make what they're doing not matter? And what I do matter a lot and like get the absolute most out of the aim I do have today, because I know like I didn't get to practice as much as them this week or, and, and this comes down to fundamentally like picking champs properly. So many games are decided like before the maps even are played just in the pick ban phase, understanding what I need to pick against this style of player based on either like the data that I compile of what they like to pick and when they like to pick it, or um, just knowing how I want to play against them. So if I'm playing against someone with high ping, I definitely want to pick different than if I'm playing against someone that's on low ping. Um, because I know that they're going to prioritize things differently. You look at a player like Zeniku, he wants tanks. That's what he wants on high ping. He wants tanks. So if you immediately want to give yourself an advantage, like these are easy arbitrage opportunities where you've taken the win percentage from 50, 50 or 55, 45 to 60, 40, or, you know, 65, 35 without doing anything. And then you can, from there, you could base your gameplay on, you know, do I need to play aggressive here? If I'm playing something like if I forced a, a combination of champs uh, chain brought up a great point, like, cooler versus him chain was insanely nervous you could see it in his aim in them in that dm6 match but it you could also see that he knew that the proper way to play athena into an anarchy was to use grapples aggressively so yeah some of the fights might have looked a little sloppy but he knew the matchup and he knew what he needed to do to win and he trusted it even though things weren't optimal like even though it wasn't the perfect scenario it was good enough and so like trusting your matchups from from the start of the match like if you know you have a defensive lineup why are you trying to play it like you play everything else i see that so frequently like players get these perfect lineups and i'm just like this player should win this matchup like 80 percent of the time and then they throw three frags away at the beginning of the map because they're not comfortable with waiting to minute eight to decide the map all you need to do is be comfortable being uncomfortable to win that matchup but you're not comfortable with not having a decision right away. Like you're, you need it, you need it at minute two and you can't just wait until minute six or just wait until minute seven when that opportunity is going to lend itself. Uh, I see so many maps where it's frustrating. It's probably equally frustrating to me as it is when people watch me like potato my aim, <laughs> you know, or like go super passive that like it frustrates you. But what frustrates me is watching someone who's got like, you know, Nick's into Strog on, you know, Awoken. And it's like, Nick should win this matchup like almost all the time. But they give away three frags to start instead of just maintaining high ground or something simple. And the next thing you know, like it's a close match. And 
you know, you let bad match, bad matchups hang around with you. That's when the win rates go up. Like if they make it, you know, and, and have an advantage in the minute seven, eight, that's when your win rates go to crap. It's not lost in the first minute. So that's, that's my uh, thoughts on that, on mechanics in general, but also like picking to benefit your mechanic. I think you touched a very important subject because like champions are really important to pick. And we could already see that like um, two years ago when you played with Garpy, I think you were the in-game leader in your in your duo. You were calling like I was watching your games. And um, I think you were the one of the first teams who started to really use kill back then. And I think it might have been your idea or like pushing tanks into the lineups because all Europeans played like Galina Visor. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. You started to push like kill and things like this. Like people were like focusing like uh, like poking kill. And then 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 the, the game looked totally different. People started to run out of ammo and couldn't fight anymore because they spent it on kill. So I think that's really important. And you showed it already back then that, that you, you kind of think deeper about the picks. So that's great. Mm. I'll just add quickly about the mechanics part. Like, mm -hmm. um, I do still think it's like huge, especially in like tournament setting. Like, for example, it's my experience when I was playing like Razy just now. Um, like Razy, someone where you know he will do so much damage to you if you're like chasing him, or he will punish you so hard that it makes you like second guess your decisions of should I push this? Should I like, okay, you, you're, you have big overstack. He's a hundred, a hundred. Should I go take like this LG fight even? Like, should I even do that? And then that split second, like indecision is like huge in quake. Like, it's just like such a, it can be like such a big difference. So I think people can, you can really feel like if the, your opponent's hitting hard and it can also, it can impact your decisions. To, it, it makes you make, worse decisions because they're hitting so hard for example and like that's just one um angle of like having really strong aim it can help you like that as well so what oh, should you, you do you, you basically you basically are playing pressure on your opponent and yeah. it's matter of how hard yeah. is your opponent and how much he can take and how how much he can like survive yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah with still playing his game you know because at some point either he will break or he will break you so I think that that's why the the quake is kind and of it's important to remember game. everyone breaks like even Rafa will break even yeah. Ray, like you know it's everyone will break so and I just want to add because amateur me is this one of the things I've struggled on a lot that specific example you're super stacked your control is good you're going against someone you know aims better than you or just know has got crazy out damage output and for me I know my LG is weak for instance and you kind of mull over mathematically i tell me i should go into this fight i have the better stack so that means i should i should do it like should you be anticipating this before the game even starts that actually you you need a way bigger advantage somehow i i just wonder shane what's the what's the best way to make the best need, decision yeah I, I don't think you need to tell yourself i need a bigger advantage but you need to just be confident in your aim and um you kind of have to expect that they're expecting you to push with this big stack and like not like a problem I actually do have is like wasting my stack. Like you, like kind of what mm. you just said where like you both know, like you're, you're way out stacking them. You have your ability up, whatever, like that doesn't always mean you just push, you know? And I think that's kind of like what do we mentioned sort of that as well. Like, 
you have to still be efficient, even if you have a big stack, like, because the only thing the other guy wants for you is to be inefficient with your big stack. And then he's back, he's back in the game. So, mm. um, yeah, it's an important thing. I, th yeah. I think Rafa's really masterful at managing players who have better aim than him. And the reason I say that is if you watch um, his use of like tribal and shotgun and machine gun, like heavy machine gun when he plays good players, like he will use those weapons to just chip 30 to 40 damage at a time to try and like weight it. And, and, and he'll like take routes specifically that give him that little bit of time to get unanswered damage. That way, when he goes into the fight, like it's, it's, you know, 275 versus 150 instead of 275 versus 200. And uh, he's really good at having contingent scenarios. And I would actually say that chain's really good at that too. Um, the, the, uh, the two best players in America that, that do that are probably those two. I would say Dehang is actually one of the worst at doing that. And that's one of like his weaknesses is he will he has like one more shot itis really bad as Jahar would call it, and and Chain and Rafa are actually pretty good about like I know exactly what like the the criteria are that like have turned this into a good fight, and if those criteria aren't necessarily met, I'll just leave, and uh, like like a machine gun spam on DM six onto the heavy like if someone's jumping onto heavy. And you could peek and get two or three ticks, like that might greatly change the dynamic of the fight for you, particularly if it was like right after they grabbed it uh, of the next fight. Chain and Ruff are like really good at that. So yeah, I I have to say I I agree with kind of adjusting to the degree of mechanical skill your opponent has. I think I wanted to say something similar, but also I wanted to add to what Dewey said. And especially that when you are dealing this cheap damage, a lot of players have trouble with like realizing how much damage you actually took. So if you're getting like even three, four bullets of heavy machine gun, the guy who's like receiving this damage, he d doesn't really realize how much he took. And he's still playing as, as, as he was mm. in the previous state before he got hit. So he's still trying to cut the distance and, and try to, to fight with you. So also what I wanted to say is like, um, this is what the players out of control and stuck should do. So deal cheap damage and try to not get, uh, like let your opponent come close to you. You should do like opposite. So you shouldn't jump freely around the map without checking corners. You should try to cut the distance to your opponent as safe as possible. So on the M6, you're just not jumping on the bridge and rocket like this because he can from catwalk rail you or tribal you or something. You always approach it slowly. You slowly approach it to Mega and slowly you try to, to go to your opponent and slowly choke you somewhere on the map. He needs to drop down if he doesn't want to fight and then you basically have him. So you need to be very careful and you need to understand that you're you need to, to agree with yourself that your opponent is out-aiming you and play as if he was all the time out-aiming you. So be careful, don't be like open, like dodge, as Dewey said, your dodging is very important. You can't like uh, smoothly like move because everybody gonna hit like, like a truck on you. You need to be really hard to hit, try to cut the distance because then it's easier, easier to make a frag. Because if you want to frag your opponent with railing, First of all, he's going to outrail you if he's better. Second of all, he's, he's deciding if he wants to take this fight or not. He will hide behind the corner if he doesn't want to fight you. So it's not you deciding. As soon as you get next to him, it's you who's making decision. It's, it's he's belonging to you, basically. You do whatever you whatever want with him at that point. 
you can oh. either kill him or let him go. So <laughs> I think that that's my opinion about it. No, that's actually really useful for, for a player like myself hearing that. Um, I want to ask Chain a bit more about playstyles between NA and EU. Um, the, the way I've seen it in a very, very broad sense is there's been maybe the sort of the rising echelons of the NA players. And I, I put that among, I don't know, Sib, Brick, Effortless, uh, Dramas, I think, before he started really improving a lot. I always felt there's a lot of overcommitment two opportunities and you know you're chasing that frag and that, as you said do one shot itis but actually like times three a bit i feel like for europeans when i see it europeans do this as well but i feel like the lines are maybe blurred a bit more like it's actually tough to tell uh, was that an overcommitment, or you know did the mistake stem from somewhere else or actually did the other player just do something so amazing that it made it look like a mistake uh, do you, what's your insight into into the people that you've been playing in EU and NA chain. Um, okay, so I'll just list. So in EU, probably I've played cooler the most. Honestly, mm. I've played cooler probably the most out of every anyone, like leading up to stage four. Um, then probably base. I played Vanger maybe once. Uh, CNZ a couple times as well. Um, can't really remember who else I, I don't think i played anyone else really mm -hmm. but um okay so for example cooler like cooler loves to play little mind games he loves to kind of um abuse you if you're playing very standard decision making quake you know like i think someone like if he's playing someone like the hang i think cooler will have a big advantage because like he will just kind of he'll have a really good read on an abc player who he'll get a very efficient decision on someone who's playing like that like he will leave an item up um he will you know he will really be able to like a, like a big thing for example an easy example is like let's say on molten there's the green armor in the rail room and there's the heavy and you're in control and you want to take that extra five seconds to go steal that light armor and then get the heavy. Like someone like Cooler will be really good at knowing when you go do that. Mm. Or like if you're faking with the death cam, like he'll or he will fake the death cam. Like he's really good in these little micro decision making quick decisions that you have to make to trick your opponent. And then he and then as well, on top of that, Cooler is really, really good in control. Like in control, he's really really strong especially in tournaments like he like i don't know anyone who's really as strong as him like he will really get so much of it and he also starts like it feels like his aim starts getting better as he's in control like so that's like my like quick little description of cooler's play style and then someone in na um honestly i would just to follow up on that i would say they're easier to read i would say like they kind of like to take predictable engagements and maybe that's also maybe has to do with because they're weaker players right like cooler has been playing for how long and he's just experienced mm -hmm. player and he's just better so maybe that's one thing that na players can do more is like kind of like expand the game a little bit like make it a little bit more complicated 
Um, so yeah, I guess NA is simple, quick. EU, from what I've played, is like a little bit more complicated. But then you also have Rafa, who's like also like cooler. He plays these little mind games, and Rafa's also like his. He's very clutch. Like he's so clutch, he'll hit like like he never really misses something that he needs to hit. Like as of recently, that's just how it feels at least playing against him. So let's say you are trying to push an advantage on Rafa, he'll really make you pay for it with his like defensive like he knocks you up with a rocket and then he'll hit you with another rocket and then he'll like rail you as you mutually frag him with a rocket. Like something like that, you know, like he'll really make you pay. So yeah, that's just uh, that's that's what I would say, I guess. No, fair play, fair play. Um, Dewey, and w- with your kind of experiences, been to a decent amount of lands. But what do you find are differences between? I don't know. It's weird to like your stereotypical EU player, a stereotypical NA player. But you know what I mean. What do you see? I think on 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 the whole, mechanically, much more practiced and rehearsed. Um, however, I. Ironically, I think if we're talking about a specific echelon of NA players, I think the top four plus Saigib, so Drama, Saigib probably are five and six in some order. I'd say the top, so like Chain, Rafa, me, Dehang, and Saigib generally make fewer like mental errors. You know, like when I've played against European players historically, it always seems like there's always one big like mental error that happens. And if you're in a position to take advantage of it, it, it's easier. But on the flip side, I think NA has a lot more of that on the mechanical side where like you can bank on one fight a game, they're going to have the wrong gun out. Like EU almost never has the wrong gun out. Or, you know, they're not going to expect a certain push and they're just not going to do any damage to you and you can get a clean frag. That almost never happens in EU. So I would say that that's kind of the big stylistic difference, uh, at least in terms of development that I've noticed is like, you know, the mechanical development in NA has always been a little weaker in my opinion, but that kind of like, um, like general mental awareness uh, that doesn't happen so much in NA. It's it's a little cleaner. So like practice in NA is always really intense because people don't make a lot of mistakes. So like you'll see a lot of like really close games, even in just like plain Jane practice uh, in North America. Whereas like when I've been in EU, um, like, you know, if it's it, like, you, you'll see more like snowball games. Like, uh, you know, I might like take a map like eight to nothing and then they'll take a map eight to nothing. Whereas in NA, it would be like both of the maps were four to three or five to five to four. And, you know, it's practice and it's like a tournament. Um, mm. So I think stylistically, like those are a couple of key differences, but on the whole, like EU um, mechanics are much better. EU, even like in terms of timing and game sense, uh, it's a lot tougher um you know and like now you're seeing someone like Vinger who you know he kind of reminds me uh like a little bit of cypher um you know and that like his execution is totally different like you you watch 
like Cypher's execution and the way he lands shots um, and is confident in like the worst possible scenarios that it's like, if it were me, I'd be like, oh, mail it in, buddy. But you watch, <laughs> you watch him and it's like, uh, well, he hits two rockets or like he just so happens to switch to the perfect gun that could work in that situation, like instinctively. He's not late to switch to it. It's like he expects it. Vinger reminds me a lot of that. Like Vinger expects those scenarios where he can do a lot of extra damage that other people don't necessarily, you know, read into or miss out on. So I think um, he, he, in my opinion, is kind of an embodiment of that right now. where It's just like superior, but well, I, I think 16 year old Wenger would be out over the moon hearing this, uh, <laughs> this, this kind of comparison actually, but this is fascinating to talk about because it's not just, you know, EU, guests and stuff on and we're just comparing the two scenes we actually have like a nice diverse field of people on the podcast and avec you've got such an extensive history with games sure you're not playing na all the time but do these like do these thoughts resonate with you well i agree with both of them so if i would have to describe it in like a few words it would be like you playing more loose and then they playing more tight i would say like this Definitely, definitely, it feels like this in every, especially in practice, and then even in the matchups. Like I think, um, I think maybe advantage of NA coming into tournament is that they already practicing in a regime, like they would play in tournament. EU doesn't do that very often. There is not mm. many players who are gonna play exactly the same way. So many EUs are like you, you straight away see the 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 difference in in their playstyle. Like for example, Wenger used to like straight away go into defensive mode in tournament so i don't know it, both both like ways of practicing are good because uh, when you are playing more loose you're pushing yourself to the limits and you, you actually checking like the limits in the game then you remember that some things might work and some things might not work out but then if you are losing your like mental like um, like when you are mentally not ready and you are uh, you are not aware of what can happen, then because of like a lot of practice, which were was really loose, you can actually give away many frags, and and they are already in the mental state that how they should play and practice. Mm -hmm. And I judge it also by by our bootcamp before first QuakeCon, and I remember practicing with NA players, and they all took it hard. And I think it's like example of Rafa, who's always playing to the max, and Rafa not even playing to the max like whole set or a map. He playing to the max every one minute and every ten seconds because. I, I see him practicing and it's ninth minute and he's leading like 15 to one or something like this. <laughs> and he's still playing this minute as it will be like one to one score. And he was trying to take advantage and, and, and have a frag yeah, for yeah. two to one, which is like uh, constantly practicing him. Because for me, it will be already like seven minutes will be already wasted of practice. I will just jump around, think about something else and you know, yeah, that That's is it. crazy. That is actually totally crazy. I, to, I, to I actually have a question for you, Avik, on that then, because um, how much do you think like playing loose in practice, um, like uh, if you already have a lot of tournament experience, do you think that that becomes like a more viable practice option? Because you already kind of know, you know, what your limits are in a tournament, but, you know, so, and you're confident enough, but you can kind of, oh, I can be loose in practice because I want to see, you know, what can I kind of add to my tournament game? Is it that kind of the mindset or is it just general like loose, more loose play stuff? 
I think uh, I had the best results when I was really trying hard. So I was like trying to play as Rafa in practice game. So always playing on point and always playing like like it was tournament. So I was like in tournament regime and I was playing it to the max and I was always making sure I played the best. I have my timings right, my reading, my mind is clear and it's like fresh and, and things like this. And I think I had the best results back then. But also I think like playing loose, giving you a bit of advantage, but it only works for like very, very specific group of people who are really confident in their skill. Let's say for Cooler, I think it's it's very like viable to practice like this because he's you you're never gonna break him in practice like mentally. He will never go into the tournament with with mindset. It's it's not gonna happen. Whereas for some people, maybe for example for for example, I think for Hron, it will be really really bad to play loose, and then come into the tournament with knowing that you lost like. 90% of your practice games. I think he will mentally feel better when he won like most of the practice games. And as I said, I think playing loose gives you like this opportunity that, that you see like how much you can push because sometimes you will play loose and you will play only aggressive like cooler for example, and he will clearly see that for example, like one player struggling with it. And, and he will know that he can even like more abuse it more in, in the tournament. You just learn the limits of the game and um, Sometimes you you already as as soon as you're making a lot of pressure as you're playing aggressive as you're hitting a lot, as soon as you do that you already feel in your opponent that he's weakening a little bit and you will be realize you'll be uh, able to realize it faster in the tournament then. Mm. I think that's that's the difference between those two two play styles. But I would I will do what's what's Champ doing so what's Rafa doing? I think in the end of the day it's. It's it's the best because you're always on top of your form, you know, always. Totally fair, guys. I'm going to to move the topic on a little bit, but um, this has been this has been absolutely immense. Um, we're going to start talking a bit more about uh, the future a little bit because um, season two, year two, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, it's coming. We haven't had any announcement other than the fact that it is coming. Um, and I want to know what you guys want to get out of it. Uh, I know what I want to. I don't want to bring back to too many Twitter conversations. Chain, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but actually, <laughs> Chain, why don't you actually start, though? Like, what would you, what kind of differences would you like to see going into year two? Um, uh, well, I think people know already that we're going to be getting some new maps, which will be really good for the viewers and for the players as well, because um, every map, like, you have, like, while you're playing, it's like you're thinking differently. Like, you're having new thoughts, new ideas, new, you know, ways to push, new ways to, you know, use an ability. So it's really good for the growth. It'll be good for growth of players as well. Like, they'll be able to try things, you know, that they weren't, they didn't recognize you could do on certain maps. And then on this new map, oh, I, I guess I can do this now. Like, oh, this champion can do this against this champion. So... Um, the new maps will be really good, I think, for the league. Um, in terms of uh, kind of, I guess, tournament format, um, I'm hoping to see, you know, I, I, I will admit that, you know, for the EU bracket, no one's going to, you know, beat around the bush here and say, yeah, I think, you know, it was kind of close, you know, in terms of difficulty. Like, no, the EU EU side was definitely harder, like way, way harder. So um, I think hopefully we'll see some changes to, you know, sort of fix that if it is an online 
Mm -hmm. uh, stage finals. If it's land, then it'll just be like normal and it'll be a mixed bracket and it'll be all good. Um, and I think it'll be better for NA players as well. Like they will develop more if they are forced to play EU players. And I think like there's still a lot of room for like someone like Dramas to get good because like, um, you know, he's actually a player who like sometimes I play him in practice. I don't know what the hell he's eating or whatever, but he's like <laughs> insane. He, he's actually like just so good. Like he's he's just running around with slash like it's perfectly, scary. perfectly running around like hitting everything. Like actually the hardest hitting player you'll ever play. Like he can't do anything. <laughs> so, you know, you know, hopefully someone like that can like elevate himself. Uh, hopefully he sees himself like a someone like him. I just want him to see himself as a potential you know like contender mm -hmm. he just needs to you know do that for himself um but yeah in terms of other future plans i think we'll see some like structural changes to like the points um yeah i'm just hoping you know like i said earlier like for myself personally i have to decide how you know because i could probably you know keep the same skill i have same position coast at this like number two, number three position in NA. Do I want to really try to push myself, you know, to go for number one? Because it's not, e it won't be easy at all. Like it, it will not be mm -hmm. like, you can't just put like in more hours. It's not, that's not going to do it. Like something I have to, you know, sit down, really think about what do I need to do here, you know, to, to take, to push Rafa to his limit, for example, you know? Um, and yeah, so that's, that's what I would say. Fair play, fair play. Um, Dewey, any any thoughts yourself on changes you want to see in, in next year? Uh, no, I think um, I, I know what I know what you I, I know what you want me to say, but I mean I've, oh, I've done the I math. I will say I will say it math. if you don't. <laughs> I've done the math and it's fine. I mean it's really fine. Um, but like uh, you know, I I have like uh, I don't even know how many couple thousand data points, maybe fifteen hundred data points on maps and outcomes as a result of who was banning and who was picking and all that kind of junk. And there's no correlation really on, on any of the maps, like as a, as a general sense. So I think, um, and I gave those findings to, to zero four. I told them, you know, I, well, I didn't give them the data because there's stuff in the data that is useful, but, um, you know, I did tell them, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any problems with it. And I've been monitoring it all year because at some point, like the wind rates were really high. And it was, you know, it was starting to get to this point where it's like, you know, is it high because there's something wrong with the picks? But uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think there is anything conclusive enough to change it. Um, and I'm excited for some new maps. I think uh, been playing Deep Embrace some, and that map is awesome. I mean, it's really good. And um, you know, uh, I'm excited um, to kind of see where where things go and. I'm excited to have a fresh start in the league. You know, I, I felt like all year there were several players that I was contending with in terms of seeding in NA that really like wouldn't have been contending with me if they hadn't had the point lead that they had when they got into the league. So and so change of ranking or like yeah operate, so. like fresh start sort of thing. And and I'm I'm happy for that because I think like you you should have to perform every stage and like that's why we're here and um you know. I think lands do matter like and lands are absolutely like 
the end all be all at the end of the day. But, um, you know, I think, I think performance should, should be, you know, required to be kept up to maintain your seed because that should influence, you know, the land to some degree. And I don't think anybody would, would hard, hard line disagree on that. Um, mm. And I'm happy to, I'm happy kind of what Chain talked about with the brackets. Like uh, I think, I think NA needs to play EU, uh, you know, the good thing about the QPL is uh, that it incentivizes you to move up one spot. When you don't have this lumpy top heavy price pool, it incentivizes you to climb that one more rank, like to go from 11, you know, ninth through 12th to eight, seventh, eighth. Um, that incentive to get there is, is substantial. Whereas, you know, when Quake Champions first came out, you know, there were several tournaments where now the QWC was the world championships that year were a little weird, but thereafter there were several tournaments where like if you were 13th through 16th, you didn't even get paid. You just practiced for a quarter for nothing. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, if you didn't get ninth through 12th at one point, like you didn't get paid. If you didn't get top six, I think for a couple of the tournaments, you didn't get paid. So it was like, you know, it's really nice to have this structure where it's like, you know, for a player like me, who's, you know, ninth through 12th, um, now I get some time to practice. Like there's actually a lot of incentive for me to practice because it could be, you know, quite a bit more money every quarter for me to climb, you know, one or two ranks. And obviously the goal at the end of the day is to win. So, um, but, but I'm excited for, for the new maps. I'm excited for a different bracket format. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's online, if, and um, you know, we'll see where that goes, but um happy mm -hmm. that NA gets consistent competition and is getting the opportunity to develop because I think change right. Like there's players like Dramas and Nasfa who have shown that they're ridiculously talented. And most of the time, talent just needs time. If they're willing to put the work in, they just need the time they mm. need the opportunity. So totally fair. Totally fair. Um, Avec. What do you what, what do you want to you say? You want to ask me what do I think? I, yeah. I, I, I agree, with guys. I just really want to see like um uh, we're fixing the whole situation with COVID and we can finally get back to normal and um, not only to play and to mix brackets to play NAEU, it's not, not really about that. It's just, I think it's in general good for Quake and for eSport. If we're going to meet up online again, we're going to have new photos, new, uh, the production will be much more interesting for people to watch and, and things like this. So I'm really hoping for that for the next year. And I hope we, we're going to meet one more time online again and it's going to be fun. And especially that, uh, yeah, that's what I want to say, basically. Um, I want to talk about the topic that Dewey and I brought up, um, but I want to move the maps out of it because we'll talk, you know, too long about that, and uh, we don't need to. Um, what I um, would like to see with the pick, um, the, the champion picking and banning format, is I would love to see mirror matches. And I wonder, you know, what you guys think about that. Just because I think then you can, you can really then say this guy is the best. I don't know, Ranger, because he's having Ranger matches with people, or this guy's having Athena versus Athena. And sure, you're not going to get the same level of diversity, but I also don't like seeing someone play at a best of five on their fifteenth best champion. And I, and I, I think these are, you know, whatever's fair isn't fair. Does it doesn't matter. It's it's just what I want to see as a fan of Quake Champions. You know, I might not be casting it much anymore, but I'm I'm sure as hell watch it. Um, do you, I, I don't actually know who to direct this to, but does does anyone want to jump in with a with a thought on that? Um, I guess I can start. Um, so 
to your point where you'd say, oh, well, this is the best ranger or whatever. I don't know if you even know if that would be true because, okay, maybe in the ranger versus ranger matchup, you win with ranger, but ranger against everybody else, maybe you're not the best ranger after all. So I don't know if you could even crown someone the best champion if they're playing a mirror matchup. Um, I do like see your point though with like, um, you know, it could be, it also could be interesting though to see mirror matchups. Like it's like a new, mm. it's a new matchup that, you know, hasn't been played yet in time limit duel. So I could see it, but at the same time, the balance in Quake is actually like really, really good. There's only really DK who's like sucks. Like no one wants to play him. Um, but I think we should take advantage of the champ diversity uh, that we can and kind of have these like matchups. But like, I, I don't know. I don't have the right answer. Like, I don't know. Should mm. we have mirror matchups? Should we not? Like, I, I, not also, really I also think maybe as a, um, as a blocker to becoming a pro, because then, you know, because lots of incredibly talented people in the, in the Quake Pro League who spend a lot of time having to learn every single champion now. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder if someone who is good, but only on like two champions, I was like, oh, well, if I learn another two, then maybe I can think about going into challenges. Um, but then they think, whoa, if this guy bans this one champion, then I feel too bad about my game. I don't, I don't know. Do, do we do that? Like actually more generally, again, putting the maths and stuff aside, there's just like yeah. these flavors that I, that, like, I really I feel strongly about. I have some thoughts. I think it would be cool to see champ picking rotated like we're going to rotate maps because I think there's different dynamics that can be created with different rule sets and they don't change the game enough to make it per, like um, to make results in one scenario different than results in the other. I think some of those could be allowing mirror matchups. I think some of those could be uh, another example could be bans are not permanent picks are. So if I ban scale bearer on map one and we, you pick Ranger and in chain picks BJ, then the only champs that are off the table for map two are, are Ranger and BJ, but, but the band comes back. So if you want something banned for both maps that you've picked, then you've got to ban it twice. Right. Um, I think that could change the dynamic and open some things up because it's it it encourages diversity um, to have the things structured the way that they are right now, um, but it it also encourages like it encourages picking maps in a certain way and and depending on how many maps are favorable in the pool, it makes bands more valuable on certain maps. So a player like Dramas, who has DM6, uh, he's not great at DM6, he's okay, but R R Ruins and Molten, um, he's going to get to pick either one of those. And two of his best champs, Scale and Slash, or Sorlag and Slash, are god-awful dominant on either one of those. So if Dramas wins the coin toss, you're piped, map one. Like, it it's really hard to win against... Um, either of those two champs of his on, on that map. Um, and, and I just think it creates scenarios that like not scrapping the whole system, but just like 
like little tweaks each stage so that like, yeah, like some stages he's got that tremendous advantage and it's badass and he's going to get a play like these good champs. But also like if he picks Molten against me, you know, he could ban my scale there, but like I could pick a map map too where I could pick my scale and, and body him. Like mm. it, it also creates like other dynamics. Um, so I, I don't necessarily know if I would say like scrap the system, change it, but like rotating at each stage may not be a bad idea. If, if it's minor tweaks that don't like totally yeah. change everything. I agree. I agree with that, that it, it would be nice to just keep it fresh, even if it's minor something, keeping it fresh at least, I think. Um, uh, yeah, Avek, any, any, any thoughts your end about um, picks and bands? Yeah, it might be good, but it must be done by someone who really, really has some like background with, with this kind of work and he can like do it properly. So because, you know, we can change everything right now, but it's still like we have two weeks to go. And I think we can't really go overboard and uh, and we need to, if, if change anything, we need to this little tweaks, which, which do we said, we can't really like uh, go ham hmm. on it. I know. I, I feel, yeah, I, I feel actually like too strongly about the subject. And it's something I, I really, zero four, if you're watching, please, please change it. I, it, it pains me like a lot. The only thing that does pain me a little bit is having to tell people that ranked duel is bad practice. That's the only mm. thing that bothers me a little bit because it's, it's really not indicative of what you do in a competitive environment. Because you have yeah. to bet, you have to focus on your bands. You have to, like, you, you probably, if you're like dominant on a champ and ranked duel, there's like a really good chance you're never going to get to play it in competitive duel. Mm -hmm. So it, that's the only thing that, like, I kind of have this tendency to agree with you on is like, how do we make ranked duel like more representative of what would go on in a competitive match? Do, do, so do you not want to see? Tox playing his best champion versus, I don't know, Rafa's best champion in a game, and then it gets banned out for the rest of the series. Like, I want to, if I'm a Tox fan, I want to see him play Slash. I don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks. I want to see him play Slash. Yeah. I feel like I'm being cock blocked. Like, if uh... but at the same time, like, um, for example, when I played Razy, mm. he had the opportunity to pick Clutch. I hadn't, I couldn't do anything about it. So, like, yeah, it's so. There's still opportunity for that. And like, uh, just personally, like if I had to make the decision of how do we organize this stuff, like I, I honestly wouldn't even want that job. Like I have no idea what the best one would be. And it, I think it's just a very hard thing to decide. So I, I think personally, and this is where I'm going beyond my role as a host, because I just, I'm too opinionated about this. Um, I think that the solution is much easier than the rule sets that's been given already. And I think that you we, we don't need a tremendously complex process where we need a third party website to help us create picks and bands. I feel like we can do it you know, really simply. And I don't want to, to know this quarter, I'm I am relying on Tox winning the coin or losing it. I'm not can't remember which way around it is for me to be able to see him play slash. Yeah, some people some people wait all year to, to to see that, or you know, they've been Tox fans for twenty years or something, and they want to see him play, you know, like El Clasico. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't want to be the last person to have like a say on it because I think that's really rude. Does anyone else have any? Um, yeah, anything to add? Oh, then I'll always I will just look really rude. 
<laughs> no, I just, like I said, generally, I think that the one thing that I want to be able to tell like viewers when I'm streaming is like, you know, how do I get into it? I want to be able to say like, oh, just Q rank duel. Like that's a good representation of kind of what you'll go through in competitive. And right now it's really not. So, and I think that's why you get a lot of these one and two champ wonders like developed is like they play rank duel and they can play doom all the time. They can play ranger all the time. They can play Athena all the time. Yeah. And, and it just stunts development. Yeah. Well, what would be good maybe if they implement like banning system in ranked and that's it. Mm -hmm. So you could ban each of you like one champion and it's already enough because it's usually one champion which is like overpowered on each map. So people stop picking like uh, Doom on every single Awoken yeah. game. I think we've been calling for this for a while. What Dewey said with like um, you had, would have to reban like the same champion every map. That's actually like to me off the bat, that sounds like a good idea, maybe. Like, hmm. so yeah, I, I agree. Like, maybe, maybe you're right, Zoot. Like, change is good. So, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, don't like find something and then just s stick with it. I like, I like keep messing with it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's like a, a really cool thing to do because, you, you know, who actually knows what the right thing is? Um, right. So, we've gone through a bit of what we want to see in season two. Really, we just want we just want more Quake, and I think we're all super grateful that there's going to be more Quake, more competition, and the whole uh, climate around us is going to dictate, um, you know, whether that's going to be land or more online. But honestly, I've been really, really impressed with the success of uh, viewership for actually what have been stage finals online, and I think that's been you know a great success for for Quake Pro League. Um, I want to touch on one more topic, and then we're going to open up the floor to sort of question and answers. Um, so guys, get your questions ready, but I'm going to talk uh, talk about the D word. We're going to talk about diabolical um, a little bit. And we were all actually having quite an interesting discussion before we went live about um, kind of like what competitive modes look like. What we normally ask is to the guests is, are you going to play diabolical? Yes or no? And then that's pretty much where it ends. But uh, at Dewey, why don't can you like almost start the conversation for us a little bit? Maybe maybe whether you are playing diabolical or not, or and actually what you would like to see in diabolical i i'm definitely going to be playing it if there's a team mode um it's it's just a matter of uh, the the duel we'll see if they even even kind of lead with it at all i'm sure there will be some duel tournaments but i think like they're gonna have a really hard time if top quake players can't duel because people fans are gonna know that you know when the tournaments start they're gonna say like mm -hmm. oh well you know, like all the best players, you know, from Europe are not playing. And so I think like there it the team modes so far, McGuffin is fantastic. I mean, we knew Sacrifice was a great mode. In fact, I think in NA we did a few tournaments with 3v3. Hmm. Um, so like 3v3 sacrifice a long time ago. In fact, I think Mojo ran a couple of them. Um, so sacrifice is obviously McGuffin's a good mode. Um Extinction is okay um i think they could do something with wipeout wipeout has the fun factor and i think that that does matter to a degree um i just think they might want to incorporate some sort of objective with that kind of format we're ascending respawn times with like a a bona fide objective um that could actually work pretty well but yeah i'll, I'll be playing it um that's something i want to see from them otherwise i think you know they've got a good mode worked out so just roll with 
one good mode and have like a good team mode. That's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it worked for, um, you know, Quake Live for a long time. I mean, they had a few team modes, but I mean, CTF has been fun for forever. It's an objective-based yeah. team mode. So yeah, that's all for sure. my thoughts. For sure. Chain, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't even played the new this release like i played like a few months ago in march or whatever when there's that play test so i haven't actually played the new game modes or anything like i've just been taking a break after uh, the finals here from everything um personally like like dewey said as well like i'm not really going to be focused on the duel and diabolical i don't think and i actually think quake champions has the advantage for duel like it's mm -hmm. just it'll just be a better game for duel okay. um but for team modes, like I would be very interested in like trying to develop my own team skill because I've never played team FPS games at a high or any team game at a high level at all. Like I've always only played duel at a high level. So I would like to see like could I be good a good team player? And I think from the last time I played it casually, like I definitely would be a lot better. But um, and then I don't know like at the same time though. Let's be real here. Like Liquid Beat would be the team to beat in NA, and that would consist of like for sure Rafa and Dehang. I would I would assume. So I don't know if I would want to spend my time trying to build a team that realistically doesn't have a chance of beating them. And that's just my because there's also going to be Quake this year. So I I just won't. I just know like if we're not going to be competing for the number one spot in this team mode. Especially it's team mode, like the payout's gonna be less than in duel. There's just I'm not gonna really even go there. So I mean, I hope like I would love to play on a team with that's capable of competing. Uh, like for the number one spot, whatever. But we'll see what happens. You know, some players um might be really good at diabolical and maybe they do have potential of, you know, even being better than Raftang. And like I know last time I played. I played in like some 2v2 tournament with Dramas and we came second actually. We lost to Vedmedic and Deathrow, I think. And like they've both been playing like for a while, Diabolical. And like me and Dramas, we went in there and we beat Rafa and Dehang. We beat Brick, Saga, whoever, you know. Like I am confident in my ability to be able to compete at the top. It's just a question of do we have that talent in NA? And I hope, I hope we do. Like, like I said, like it would be, it'd be nice, you know, and I just hope there's just a kind of an attitude problem, I would say, where going from game to game, you know, these players that are at the top, but they're not breaking the top or they're not even breaking like top 10 and A players. Like you, again, can't be making excuses and you have to change something. If you really are, you know, I've had players message me asking me to play with them saying, you know, listen, like, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, okay, this guy, like, I know he's capable, but are we realistically going to get anywhere far? Like, and that's something that I think players, if they're listening or whatever, they have to acknowledge. And, you know, you're not just going to be wrapping the hang just because you want it right now. And then when it gets hard, you know, Rafa slaps you around. Oh, I don't want it anymore. It's too hard. So... It Actually, with that, do you think there's also maybe uh, a stigma of players who are like, well, I'd do better if it wasn't quite champions, but a different... Yeah, that's a horrible, FPS. horrible attitude yeah, that I've heard know? way too much. Like, it's just not true. Yeah. Like, 
oh, the sound's bad in Quake. Oh my God, the net. Like, okay, it's there might be issues with sound, but like everyone's having these issues. Everyone's on the level mm. playing food. Like, it's not unique to you. Like I was I mentioned earlier, like people have to stop attributing these, making up these unique excuses for themselves why they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's. Like, I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, like that's like such a bad attitude to have. Like, if it wasn't Quake, I'd be the best. Yeah, no, you wouldn't be. Like, yeah. I totally agree. Totally agree. Yes. I think we've kind of been saying for months, like if you want to play competitive arena FPS, even if you're not much of a dual player, like the only place to be for the past 12 months has been the QPL. So if you couldn't get here, what makes you think, you know, unless you're just a God tier team player and like, obviously there's examples of that. Right. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a developing player right now, one of the best places that you could have been, was trying to get into the QPL because at least you're competing consistently and you're under pressure. And those are all things that you need to be ready. So I agree with Chain on that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, actually. And I think um, team modes is the way to go for Diabotical because let's be honest, the whole hype build up around Diabotical is because people still live in the past. There are guys who really like Quick Life and they really hope because all the time I get the same question Avek, why, why don't you play Diabotical? Why don't you practice Diabotical? Are you going to compete in Diabotical? And they accept, expect uh, matchups like me against Cooler in Diabotical. And let's be honest, it's never going to happen, basically, because it's 1v1. We're both going to focus on Quake Champions because uh, because we are pro players. We don't play for fun. Because if we would be playing like for fun, we could be playing, I don't know, football, right? Or something. <laughs> whatever right because you can't play one game for hours only for fun we are professionals we're making money on it and and quake champions is where where esport is now for 1v1 games fps because uh, there is no like esport for diabotical in 1v1 so it will come to the situation where in june you won't have like top players and you will have separate scenes with all the quake pros playing quake and qpl and all the other guys you're going to have playing Jewel, and it's already not going to be as interesting for the people to watch. That's sad, but it's, but it's very true, actually. So I think if you, if you, focus, you, you need to focus on team modes in Diabotical to make it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Because uh, whoever we asked, like, look, since the very beginning of our podcast, whoever we asked, nobody going to play 1v1 in Diabotical. No one. Mm-hmm. I, and, I... and people assume that it's uh, the, the mother of our contract. It's not. Yeah, it's totally not. not. It's not a problem of our contract of QPL, because we are we are a- able to play one v one in Diabotical, but it just doesn't make sense when you are playing professionally one v one of Quake Champions at that time. Mm. Um, I appreciate all you guys. But Diabotical is very very fun for team modes, and I think this is the way to go. I'm yeah. also like uh, I I also love team modes, and I would like gladly play some team modes as well. Because I have fun playing team modes. I also had fun playing 2v2 in Quake. I had fun playing Sacrifice in Quake. So this is what I miss. And since we have like esports for 1v1 only in Quake Champions, that's why I'm starving team modes. So that's what's going to bring me to play Diabotical. Not playing Jewel when there is no really like big esport in it. It's I'm not starving Jewels because I'm playing Jewels every, 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 every week, right? So I'm not starving this. And I'm not starving like playing Jewels for, for, like, uh, for no, no esports. So what I'm starving is like playing team modes even for free, you know. That's yeah, what I mean. And, That's what's gonna I, bring like best players from QPL, I think, to Diabotical. I'll just add quick. I think also, Diabotical is like a better built 
like it just feels like it would perform better in team modes like it's just um like i don't know if it's the netcode or whatever like the models or whatever it just feels like a team mode game where quake in this duel like if you grind it out you have such a feel for the game where like um there is this comparison you know where people will go into quake and be like oh it doesn't feel like quake live like even aiming around or jumping around and it's true it doesn't but it if you play it if you grind it out it'll feel like a you'll really get used to this one like how it plays in 1v1 and the, all the angles and everything like that like it really suits the game whereas uh, i feel like the smoothness and like the kind of the way the game feels at least for me diabolical really does feel like a team team game so yeah totally fair totally fair i i actually got one last question that i can see lots of questions in chat that pete is uh, is is putting up so thank you for for lining them all up um i i don't get to actually bounce this off many people at all um this idea and it's something i've said on my stream quite a lot because tdm was something that was kind of talked about a lot as part what would be part of the team modes in diabotical and I know there's a lot of like older players who who are super experienced and also super passionate about the game. But I don't like the idea of long weapon respawn times. And I aching to what Dewey's saying, you want something that new players can really get stuck into and feel like they're doing okay at the beginning. Do you, do you feel like you know maybe TDM can be in with quick weapon respawns? Do you, do you have any? thoughts I, I avec actually considering you've probably the most tdm experience out of all of us what, what do you think about the, the the inclusion of tdm uh what is the respawn time for weapon right now in tdm i i don't know but it was 30 and then i think they were playing with it for like 15 so it's it's kind of been here and there i don't know if they played with five seconds. all right i think um because TDM is so so complex, you need to make it actually more noob friendly to make people play. Mm -hmm. So if you already have like a delayed uh, respawn of weapons, you will have good teams who will take advantage of that much easier than like uh, they will. Good teams will even on specific maps they will even deny the weapon which is spawning after five seconds, let alone thirty <laughs> seconds. It's gonna be another item to fight for basically. So and already with five seconds you will have teams who are gonna like show like great level of play and great great level of skill. So I think you need to go other side and make it a bit easier for like uh, newcomers and things. And other modes which are more noob friendly, maybe adjust them a little bit so so it makes more sense on higher level. Yeah, I see. Do we or, or or chain? I don't know if you guys have have, have thoughts on that. I, I know you guys have talked about the other modes, but. Um, I, I, again, like, I don't really have any experience with TDM, TDM. Like I've only played two V2s with Waz. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have no idea, honestly, what would be good for, for that. And I think, uh, I don't know if Avic mentioned it, I can't remember, but TDM might not be the best team mode anyways for Diabotical. So maybe, maybe that's not even a problem we, we will have. So yeah. do we have anything? I mean, um, I played a lot of TDM pugs back in Quick Live, and I mean, I, I liked the concept of like dropping weapons and things like that. I just, I think it's very hard to keep TDM from not being like an aim, uh, an aim trainer with opponents. Like, if you're just gonna allow weapons to be up all of the time, uh, and like, 
you know, particularly because they already have like a pseudo item timer, you know, where like five seconds before, three seconds before it beeps and stuff like that. So like there's a lot of other nuances that have been kind of removed. And I think eventually it's just going to get to the point to where now it may be a little different with 3v3. Um, hell, it might even be fine with 2v2. Um, I'm indifferent though. You know, I like teammates. I like playing with teammates. It's fun to like have have a group and bond together and like you know improve over time and and like see the improvement. It's so yeah. I'll play anything. I'm not really the, the biggest issue with the biggest issue with changing anything in any team mode in any game is that you're gonna affect like one group or, or the other. So one group is players, one group is viewers. So each of this change will group uh, will will affect one of this group. So one change might be better for viewers, but it might like um, get the fun back from the players and other way around so you know mm. it's 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 very complicated and it must be well uh, well think about it and and it must be tested for a lot of of the for time sure. you know so when i because think because for example sacrifice was was great idea in the quick champions right but but in the beginning look how much hard time it gave people who already even played quake in the back in, in their background when they didn't try it out people didn't have a clue what's going on and mm. you added only soul and, and that's it and already people didn't have a clue what's going on yeah whereas they played ctf uh, in the in the past and they played tdm in the past mm -hmm. so no, this I... is how it affected like viewers no, which, I, was, I, which was super fun for players when they understood it. For, for sure. And I, and I think one thing we can all agree on is, you know, the Diabolical team aren't going to have much trouble finding team modes because they're just good at churning them out and they've already got great bases for that. But guys, because we are like, we, we've had like a really content packed show. Let's get, let's get into some questions. I'll start with something from uh, James Khan. So we can do like a, a round table for you. Do you have a day job or are you full-time gamers? Uh, do, do you want to start us off? Maybe like a further intro to yourself even yeah i, I work full-time as a, a financial analyst so i work probably 50 to 60 hours a week um Chay? um so i was working as an accountant probably around the start of uh, uh qpl uh and now i'm more like i'm going to try to get into real estate because in just where i am in canada um there's a good market for that so uh, yeah, looking to you know hopefully win as much money as I can in Quake and then see what we can turn that into. Fair play, fair play, Avak. Uh, I already explained this question on uh, my stream many times. I focus on esports since I'm 16, and all of my finance I basically was like uh, putting into apartments as well. So I got some of the apartments which I'm renting. So it's a part job because it's like you know it's not a lot of things to do. So it's more of an investment, which is bringing me more like financial resources right now. And on which I'm working still like from time to time because there's people coming in, coming out. You need to renovate the, the place sometimes, you know, and there's sometimes some problem occur, like some pipe gonna explode or something, you know, and then you need to go there. Oh, awesome. Or I... police is coming because there, there is like some big party going on at the <laughs> apartment because some people rent it and it's some trouble, you know? No, of course. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, I, I'll talk about. I'm going to ask a question that actually came up earlier. Maybe it's also come up later. But uh, the new signing in Quake, Maestro Gaming, have acquired Sirius. Um, personally, I was actually kind of surprised to to hear that. It's uh, uh, it, Sirius is going to be matched with Venga in the same team, and they kind of go back 
a bit in Quake Live. So they've got an interesting relationship there. Did this surprise any of you guys? Jump out, whoever. Um, it actually was kind of surprising. Like I didn't even know he was planning on playing again, and especially because I've heard some of the same like attitudes mm-hmm. towards Quake from him. Like you know, all oh, this game sucks, whatever. So uh, I'm glad he decided. You know, I'll, I'm gonna give it a shot, and I'm you know he's a he's a pretty scary player to play against. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts, guys? Uh, I just heard about it today because I was like taking break after like finals and someone uh, messaged me that and I think it's pretty cool. The only thing which I don't understand is like if the Maestro Gaming is like signing him by contract and if it's like professional deal and things like this, like uh, what's their plan on building the hype and things like this if, if the first um, the first chance which he's going to have to compete in QPL will be in like mid-December because uh, I don't know if we can speak about that, but I think one of the first like uh, finals or LAN events or the challenger is going to be in the mid of December from what I remember, right? So it's still like how how much? It's still like over four months till the first like uh, chance where we will, he will have to, to play against the pro challenger. True. Practice time. It's just practice time. Practice time. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to go through go through some some more questions here. Uh, that there's something about comparing net loss versus carpenters or barbers. I'm sorry, I I don't even fully understand. <laughs> I'll gloss over that for a moment, if you can forgive me for that. But if two v two came back, who would you team up with? Avik, we you know we've heard all kinds of stuff from from you. But uh, chain Dewey, uh, let's stop Dewey. Um, two v two back. You with Garpy again? What's the plan? That's the only pl- that's the only answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad but, I hit the nail on the head there, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, if he, if the thing was, that was so brutal for him. I mean, he would stay up until midnight for our practices to start. Mm. Um, you know, it'd be 6 p.m. my time, I'd get off work and we'd practice. You know, we could only really play a couple hours a day. Um, but like in the perfect world, like where, you know, we were in the same time zone. Hell yeah, that was, um, he's, he's a great teammate. And uh, I had a lot of fun. That was that was a ton of fun, and uh, it was never never a boring day, and uh, never a boring day in the comms for sure. <laughs> um, Chain, what about you? I have no idea to be honest. Um, I don't know. Maybe it'd be funny, fun, good to team up try, uh, to try to team up with Cooler, just because me and him have kind of been uh, talking a bit more lately. So I, I don't know. Because he actually, him and Tox got really far, right? They got second. Mm. I think so, yeah. So I guess Cooler is a good 2v2 teammate. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> um, in NA, I've played with Waz and Dramas. Uh, I've actually, I think I've messaged Dewey before, like, oh, uh, I've given him my thoughts. You know, maybe we would be a good team together. Um, but yeah, I have no idea, to be honest, other than what I just mentioned. Oh. Fair play, fair play. Uh, Avec, just because you know you're here, be yeah, rude I just not said to before, ask. Before it's gonna be like Cypher, Kilson, or Chrome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's jump to some more. Uh, who do you think is the most improved player or players um, in this first year of QPL? Uh, I, I think we, we put your name out there, Chain. Uh, right at the beginning of the show. Uh, I don't know if any guys would agree. I also think you mentioned Dramas. I think Dramas has been unbelievably good but uh 
yeah, SMS. Why am I? I'm, I'm just going to have this podcast of myself. No one else is invited. <laughs> Does it, yeah, any, anyone else think about, um, yeah, most improved player? Just anybody. Uh, I guess CNZ you could put up there. Uh, because I don't know actually how well he's performed in the past, but like he clearly, I mean, in these finals, he did really well. So it looks like he he's able to improve as well. From what I understood, I think I talked to him briefly about it. He does have his own, he's in IT or something. So I know he, he doesn't have all the time. So maybe when these events come and stuff, he puts more time into it and then it shows in his improvement. But um, yeah, I, I don't, Dramas as well, like you said, has, has gotten a lot better since the beginning. Hmm. Dude, what do you reckon? I, I'm going to take a different angle because I know th those are all good answers. I think Vinger has improved cool. a ton. Very good. Yeah. I, th I think he's matured. I think he uh, mentally has matured a lot. Um, and that was one of his weak, weaker points. I mean, I used to tell like other NA players kind of privately, like the meme was, you know, oh, I'm only, what was it? I'm only 19 or I'm only 20. And I'm like, don't worry, you don't need to tell anybody. That used to be my joke. I was like, kid, you don't need to tell anybody. We can all tell. Um, <laughs> but, but now it's not that way anymore. And it wasn't in a mean way. It was just kind of like, um, you know, I, I came through like college baseball, right? And, and like people knew you were a freshman. Like you, you would do dumb shit and they would be like, oh, God, fucking freshman. Um, and, and that's kind of what it was like for the first year or two with him. And then I see this year, he's a different person. Like he's, he's calmer. He's, he's more collected. Like it, he just looked like a Katowice in per particular. I mean, we obviously didn't get to see him in stage three or four on land, but he looked like, like he hit, he kind of hit a mental growth spurt. So I'll say Wenger, in my opinion, he went from being really talented to, to outright scary. And mm -hmm. that's a big jump. What do you think, Avec? Well, I agree with all of this except CNZ. I think CNZ was already playing on this level, like even a year ago. It's just like if you talk about results, of course, he had the best result and it was like improvement in his results. But his game level was on the same level, I would say. Interesting. The way I would say Wenger Wenger is like, um, he, he has probably one of the best attitudes for Quake. Like he's really, really, he's he's got the right uh, like approach to how to improve and stuff and like just talking to him he's like he, you know he thinks he's the best he he knows he can beat whoever which is like he's he he can like if he keeps going you know so and i really like that at the same time he's very humble and he respects everybody and, and yeah. he knows that he needs to work hard and he's very positive which is also helping like in, in playing really good at that game mm. yep go on, good move I'll move on to the next one, guys. You guys miss round duels a bit. Would you like to play it in season two? From Flowey there? No? The shake of the head? Shake of the head from Shane? Uh, not really. Not really? Well, it's already gone, so we are in different world right now. And yeah. we stick to the new, new order. <laughs> you know what? A little bit of me does miss round duel, but it also is just not compatible with the tournament. Like tournaments run so much better now. You've got time limit deal. Yeah. So even from that perspective, I'd be like, no, don't, don't bring it back. Um, we got another. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, 
I've got an interesting one. I got a PM about it. Someone asked me, is this the right time? Uh, I don't know. I actually don't have the name up on anymore. So sorry, I can't I can't give credit. Did anyone want to see the, the genic cheat accusations? Anyone want to see? Uh, yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's a clip, I think. It was just this one sole clip. Maybe there was more. I only saw that. Um, and someone PM'd me and said, like, what do you think of this? This is outrageous. Does anyone think it's outrageous? Or is it just like that shit that happens when you watch people play video games? I think if you had, like, a lot of those clips, then maybe. But, like, from one, you, you can never tell anything just from one clip. Like, that's, like, being realistic, there's a chance it was, you know, just it happened to be, like, he perfectly turned his mouse and it line lined up with the guy in the wall. Like, you can, how can you know? How can you yeah. say... For sure, right? So that's just my opinion. Like you can't know. I I'm very tempted to like agree entirely. Like that's not a that's not the right amount of clips. You need you need more. <laughs> These are rookie numbers if you want to prove I anything. Mean, he lost, so like Yeah, probably, like exactly. He, he, like if I had to bet my life on it, no, I wouldn't say he was cheating. So Fair enough. Uh, anyone else? Anything else? It's you know, for the memes. Do we have it? You you you're never gonna be able to tell. Even if you're gonna have thousands clip like this, you will say it was accident, for example, and what? Yeah. How are we gonna prove it? You're not Gosh. gonna prove it. You can what? have ten thousand of those clips and still like you will need one more, ten thousand one. <laughs> but the the truth is that he just turned and he just like locked his like crosshair on the head of his opponent. Hmm. I'm just bringing that. more drama now. To be fair, I think he had like ninety ping. And so when he came through the portal, I think what happened was that he started moving his mouse and then it did that thing when you have high ping where it like locks your mouse back forward. So like instead of it flicking right onto the opening of the door, it came up like that short because there was that little bit of like adjustment back to center and then he flicks and it's like he had already started flicking his mouse. So he didn't get exactly as much as he's used to, to where it like lands right on the opening. I think that's, that's what it looked like to me. But he locked. Um, I'm joking. Sorry, I'm stealing Avex joke. That's okay. I, I, mean, look, I he, look through walls all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he 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 lost the game. That's that's what what is the most important in this case. Otherwise, how how would you cheat and lose the game? But still, he locked on his head, guys. So <laughs> you know what? Let's, something likes, might be wrong. He likes to lift his mouse a lot. You guys remember flushes? Yeah, I was gonna say like flusher v2.0, right? He, he just likes to lift his mouse. <laughs> Um, that's another question from, from James here. How is it that everyone struggles against Rafa, but Rafa struggles against Cypher? Is it his play style or maybe his mechanical skill? Um, it's totally play style. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Because there's only one guy in the world who you can't outplay with simply running around the map constantly without stopping. And this is the problem every single time Rafa plays with him. He's constantly running. He's constantly running and doing something. If he's going for item, he's running there. If he's going for weapon, he's running there. Then if he doesn't have place to run for, let's say in the middle of the, in between items, he's running for his opponent or running away from him. And if he doesn't have anything to go anywhere, he will just go for ammo or something. And it doesn't work against Cypher. Cypher will take advantage of that. And as soon as Cypher's aim is very stable, it's really making it hard for such people because Cypher likes to poke. He likes to deal like cheap damage. He likes to poke. He likes to rail. He likes to deal deal damage. And Rafa is giving him constantly information, constantly information, constantly information. 
which is safer based on like all his life, all his like childhood when he was trying to play when he was 14 and I saw him play against cooler against like uh, uh, enemy or like keeper from Belarus and other players, old school players. It was his his base of the game. He was like gathering information and abusing them. And Rafa gave me a lot of informations, but at the same time, people can't deal with it because he's making a lot of good uh, good decisions and making them fast, and they can't react. And Safer is really fast at reacting. Mm -hmm. That's why it's never going to work out. Yeah, it's it's in, like it's interesting. Like if you go watch, um, I can't remember which finals this was, but I just remember one map of it was Cypher had BJ and Rafa had Nyx on DM6. And like, if you go watch that, you'll just see also Cypher was like, just every read he could possibly make, he was just reading Rafa. Like, no, I like no one I've ever seen read him. Like, it was just like, he does have this weird, like dynamic with Rafa's game where he can just really read him properly. And yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy to see actually. Hmm. I'm gonna ask one more question, guys, because I just wanted to hear like Dewey's point of view because okay, sorry, what he thinks about Cipher Rafa, why 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 it happens like this? Yeah, I think um, Italy was a good example of just Cipher listening, and um, he outpicked uh, Rafa in that set pretty hard, but he um, he listened, and also one thing I think Cipher does a good job of is. He never does damage in the exact same way twice on the same thing that he's trying to abuse. So like if he detects that there's a pattern, he'll do damage one way one time and then another way another time. So that like even if Rafa adjusted, it doesn't matter. It's like Cypher has pre-adjusted after he it's like he not only does he know that Rafa's gonna adjust after he does this damage, it's like he's planned it so that like he can sequence it. You know, so that the next three times he takes that exact route, he's doing tons of damage um, and, and able to, like, retake control. So you could tell that he's definitely, like, several steps kind of planning in advance to do this excess chip damage. Um, and he's very patient. It's just Did you say five patient. steps? Five steps I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many steps. The last time on the, on the on the shoutcast, DJ Wheat said ten to fifteen. I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, we're no wonder I keep losing. I'm not, I'm not ten to fifteen steps ahead. I'm just trying to be five steps ahead. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Uh, guys, I, I, there have been loads of questions, and honestly, we could be we could be here the whole night. But um, we're going to wrap it up in a moment, and we'll end it. We'll end it on a high. Uh, and I know that Avec. Um, You've uh, you've answered this kind of question before, but I'll, I'll start it with with Dewey and Chain. Favorite memory from your competitive career? It might link to something that happened in the last year that we've talked about. But um, Dewey, do you want to start us off about, or unless you want a moment to reflect? I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you uh, okay. my my favorite like success moment um, was was probably QuakeCon 2018. Um, sorry, Avic. But that, uh, like, making it uh, and chain actually. <laughs> Sorry, both of y'all. Uh, we, we, <laughs> we got, Garpy and I making it um, to the semifinals. You know, like we ran into Rafa and Dehang, and it was tough. But like, um, no, nobody expected us to do anything, and uh, we just worked really well together. We gelled really well. Um, and then my other favorite memory, just because because I have Avic on here, we also Quake made the semis on this. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. They did. Full disclosure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> full, they did. Uh, 
there's there's a but but my other favorite memory and because it has to involve Avic is um QuakeCon 2017. Avic and I are sat next to each other uh, in in group stages and I, I'm playing strengths and so there was a lot of build up to this strengths match because when they made groups, you know, he was talking smack about how he'll show me, you know, he'll show I'm going to show Dewey what a, what a dire orb is and all this stuff. And so <laughs> I, I arrived think I at QuakeCon. <laughs> I arrived at QuakeCon and Sturmy, the first thing he says to me is he goes, hey, Strengths is talking smack. He's going to die orb you a lot. So please beat him with your die orb. And so I said, okay. So then it's like day one of the group stage. Avic is sitting next to me. He's playing a match in the middle of a match. He looks over and I like <laughs> die orb strength to end a round. And he like taps me on the shoulder. He's like... Good job. <laughs> and I just remember thinking to myself, like, how is he able to focus like that? But uh, all I remember is saying, good job. Because <laughs> you could hear strength raging in the background. It was amazing. Yeah, that was hilarious. It just reminded me that. I, I totally forgot about the situation, but uh, I remember the whole area and everything. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, Chain. I think I'm just getting called to dinner in a second. Yeah, sorry. I, not to hurry you guys, but Chain, give me what's your most uh, positive. This year has been super positive in general, right? I, have you got any else, anything else at Top Slot you've mentioned already? Uh, I guess like I'll just describe like how I, when I was playing Cooler. So there were sort of three rows um, at Katowice where you would, there'd be like a line of like 10 computers in each row. And I was in Cooler's row. Like he was like three computers down from me. And I remember it was like the, the last match of the day, winner goes on to the next day, losers out of the tournament. And I just remember Cooler, like, he's talking to his manager or his brother or whatever, and he's like, all right, just got to, like, smack chain around real quick, and then I can go chill. Like, this is going to be easy, blah, 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 blah. And then, and then I just get to beat him, and it was just like, it was perfect, like, almost karma, you know, for him <laughs> opening his mouth. And... uh Juicy. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's just. I just remember that, like, him just saying, like, "Oh, this is gonna be easy." And then, yeah. <laughs> that's bloody awesome. That's awesome. Um, that's, that's that's such tasty. That's like justice porn, right? Is that that's what they call it? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Avec, you know, I know you've you've answered these kind of questions before. Maybe maybe you can surprise us with a new one. <laughs> No, let's go to another question. It's too much questions for me. So, so, so there's no more questions. I'm ending this bloody podcast. Okay, then, this has been what, like two hours, guys, okay? Guys, since th there is a little bit of break from QPO, what is your like, uh, let's go to private life. What is this your favorite? What you're is not your the favorite, interviewer. <laughs> what, is, what is your favorite series? Because I'm looking for some good one. Jane, what's general, your favorite like, series? I, actually, I don't. I really rarely watch. You don't? No, no. Do we? Oh, I watched yeah. that. That's really good. Last dance? Yeah, that's really oh. good. Oh, I thought you meant like Quake series. Okay, now I, yeah, I'm following you. Oh, uh, my wife and I have been watching Criminal Minds. That's a good show. Criminal you Minds. You want to check that out? You, Zoot? I was watching... You, you, the... you can tell the best Quake series if you want. No, I don't want to anymore. <laughs> um, I want... The Boys is really good. I'm really enjoying The Boys. Boys? The Boys. The Boys. It's, it's really, really sweet. And also The Last Dance is great too, by the way. I enjoyed Haven't I, heard I about watched it. all that. Uh, I just started the rain. I heard it's really, really bad. But then at some point I really like bad series because I found it interesting at some point. And it's like similar situation to now because it's like uh, 
post-apocalyptic or like however you called it like uh, it's after some virus attacking world and people trying to survive so it's quite what's it called okay the rain the rain it's like a scandinavian series oh sweet i watched um was it contagion or something recently and it was scarily like it was a film but it's like scary like what's happening now and that kind of freaked me out but anyway i'm gonna i'm gonna take the control you had out of it i'm gonna sap it away and take it back and i'm gonna ask people to do their final the final outros uh guys because it's been such a pleasure actually talking with you all this time um and we will be getting this up on on the youtubes and everywhere take ASAP. my joystick excuse me take my joystick <laughs> you're, you're playing now <laughs> for god's sake um dewey thanks so much for being on have you got any uh, any uh, last words sir no i just uh, want to say thank you to uh, team nemesis and um you know looking forward to the next season and thank you to endpoint uh pete and and avic and and, and yuzu for having us on here and giving us the opportunity to um to uh to chat and uh, really appreciate it and uh, thank you very much absolutely chain you're a lot you're uh, lots of, uh... yeah just thank you to uh avic and pete thank you guys for inviting me um you know i hope i hope we can do something again soon and uh thank you to uh john to zero four and tokyo and to the quake team for giving us another year uh really thankful um and i'm happy they're able to do that for us and uh thank you to team singularity as well for supporting me and everything like that so awesome, awesome. yeah and thank you guys for joining us and what me personally i always look like into like um details of quake like little strategic like uh, things like interesting things about practicing playing and we got quite a lot of that on this episode the most out of all so it was like extremely interesting for me from you two guys so thank you for coming yeah yeah and thank awesome. you Zot, for co-hosting yeah, with course. me <laughs> last but not least <laughs> is, is anything else Avec? anything else to add or no that's all Okay, right. Well, no, honestly, it's been it's been a pleasure. This has been a, such an awesome chat, and I've I've learned actually like tons. It's it's great to get this kind of uh, kind of insight into Quake and to everything surrounding it. So, also thanks to Endpoint, to Pete, to you guys, and to everyone who's been watching. Like, comment, subscribe. I know that's what they say, right? Um, guys, we'll catch you on the flip side. Hopefully, another show soon. Have a good night.